Welcome to the Renaissance Church Podcast. Our mission is to glorify God and to make disciples by bringing the gospel into all of life in all the earth. This is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church here in Richmond, Texas. And if you've not joined us in a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we would love to have you join us. You can find out more information at rin-church.org. And I pray that you are encouraged and edified by the proclamation of God's word today. This morning, I want to talk about uh, building in your season. Build in your season. In fact, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2. If you have a copy of scripture, if you want to go there with me, building in your season, um, there's milestones in life. And, and this, this morning is a milestone. As we talk about five years, we're talking about marking time and saying, look, no, let's look at what God has done over this time period. It's, it's a milestone, and there's something important about milestones in our life. It's, it's marking a season. It marks a season. It's why we have birthdays, right? Today is Herman's birthday. He, he turns 28 years old on the 28th. Pam's birthday was officially, I think, yesterday. Is that right? Two days ago? Tomorrow is the birthday. Okay, so I, I was a day off. I know it was a day off. So it's like, it's a milestone, right? My, my grandmother just celebrated 94 years. Like that's, wow. Like I want those jeans. I hope those jeans are in me, right? Milestones. And when we celebrate a day like this, it's, it's a mark. It's a marker of a, of a season. And uh, I was thinking about not just a five-year marker, but literally a 10-year marker. See, 10 years ago, I was in uh, the master bathroom of our house in Round Rock, Texas. I was serving in a church that was a great church, but I had what I would call holy discontent. It's when you know that God has something else for you, but you don't know what that is yet, and there's a sense of like angst and frustration in your soul, and you're just like, man, like I, I'm grateful for where I am today. I'm not complaining, but there's something more. There's something else, and I don't know what it is, and I'm just, I want to know. And it's like your, your heart is yearning to know, like, God, what is it that you want to tell me? And so I remember 10 years ago, kneeling on the floor of that bathroom. It was later in the evening. And I just, you know, like where you emotionally vomit to God, you know, tears are flowing. I'm just like, God, I just, I will do whatever you want me to do. I will go wherever you want me to go. I will stay wherever you want me to stay. Like, I, I will go, I will do whatever you want me to do. But just tell me. And literally, the still small voice of the Holy Spirit says, plant a church. My second question was what do I call it? That's a dumb second question, by the way. Right. I was a worship pastor. I'm all into like, you know, aesthetics and graphics and colors. And I'm like, ooh, planning a church. What's the, what's the name? Right, so this is my brain, okay? And so I'm like, what do I call it? And the, the, the still small voice of the Holy Spirit says, Renaissance. I never would have thought of that. And then I asked, what do I begin to pray for now? And he gave me really a, a sort of a, a word about a large number of groups that would reach a large number of people. So we're a church that was born out of prayer 10 years ago in a bathroom in Round Rock, Texas, and we're standing on that today. Like, it's just incredible, a season, a milestone, a marker. Um, I was at a... Um, 
a pastor's getaway. Uh, I guess this was in November. I met a man by the name of James Cato. He's from Uganda. I told you about him. He fasts for like 40 days at a time, and then Jesus appears to him like that kind of a guy. I don't know if you've met people like that before, and you're like, I want that, right? Like, I, I was so just inspired by him. And we're talking about church. He's asking me about our church. I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to celebrate five years this year. And he's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're 24 years old. And he said this, my church can do things that your ch church can't do. He said, because we're 24 years old, but right now your church is in a special phase and a season. And what he was trying to tell me is this, don't miss the season that you're in. Parents, you know this, as you're raising children, if you skip potty training, adulthood's gonna be really awkward, right? That's gonna get weird and gross. But you're, you, you have things along the way, and what, what we need to understand is that tomorrow is built on today which means that there may be something in your life that God wants to do in this season. And, and I want to talk about your life. What is it that, that God is leading you to do in this season that it, it, you, know, you might dream of what someone else is doing in their season, but in your season, what does God want you to do right now? Because tomorrow is built on today. And if we skip what is right and necessary today, we will sabotage our tomorrow. We're in a series called Building with Jesus, and I had this impression whenever we came into this school year that this was a building year. It's a building year, and is the Lord going to give us a building? Lord, are you going to give us a building? Please say yes, right? You know, I don't know if you ever had one of those. You're like, is this the person I'm supposed to marry? Please say yes. <laughs> Do you want me to quit my job? Please say yes. He hasn't told me whether or not he's going to give us a building. That would be really cool. But what I'm really more concerned about is what God is building inside of you. He's building people. He's building you. God wants to use you. So we're talking about building with Jesus and I really want to focus in on seasons. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 12. And I'm just going to warn you that this is a passage that I've pretty much never understood. I've puzzled over this. I've been reading the Bible for like 30 years now. 30 years of studying the scripture. And I come to this verse every time and I'm like, it's cool. I have no idea why it's there. I don't know what it means. And as I was thinking about this season and kind of the seasons of our life, all of a sudden I began to understand what it means. And so here's what he says. This is the apostle John writing in verse 12. He says, I'm writing to you little children since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Verse 13, I'm writing to you fathers because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you, because you have conquered the evil one. I've written to you children because you have come to know the Father. I've written to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. This is God's word. Now, 
is it just me or is that kind of a weird passage? Right? Like, it's, it's a strange passage. In, in my Bible, it, it's, it's laid out differently than the rest. Like the rest is in regular paragraphs, but it gets to this part, and it's almost like John broke out into a song or he, he breaks out into a poem. And I was thinking about this. You know, um, I think of Paul almost like a lawyer. Paul was a Pharisee, and if you've ever read Paul's letters, Paul, he's going to make a point, and he's going to defend the point, he's going to support the point, and it's just very, like, logical, and that's what I like about Paul. But you get to John, and John's like the surfer. He's like, bro, you got to love God, because, like, God loved you first, man. And, dude, I'm writing to you, children, because, you know, your sins are forgiven. And, you know, fathers, you know, and he just kind of has this different tone. It's like real circular, and it's kind of like all over the map. It, it, it's nothing like the Apostle Paul. And I started thinking about this, that both Paul and John are major contributors to the New Testament, and yet they're so different. And here's what I want to say. This is kind of a meta point about this passage is that God is a custom builder. The Lord's a custom builder. Here's why that's important. Some of you, you look around, at, around this room and you see the people that God seems to be using and you're saying, I'm not like that. I don't think the Lord can use me. My life doesn't look like their life. Maybe my life has a different mess my personality's not like that. I don't know as much as they know. I don't know all the church words yet, or whatever it is. And you've discounted yourself. And I want you to know something. God is a custom builder. The Lord is a custom home builder. There's this beautiful passage in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and here's what it says. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now that alone is just, whoa, that you are a workmanship created for Christ Jesus. It, it, he's, he's created you to do something, good works which God, this is even crazier, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do, which means there's a whole destiny that God has for you that you are stepping into, and God has planned this from the foundation of the world. He has something in store for you. But the word that, that I want to just focus on for a second is this word workmanship. In the Greek, it's the word poema which is the word from which we get our word poem. And, and here's what it means. It, it's, it's a workmanship that is handcrafted. In fact, some translators might actually translate this as a masterpiece. It's like, it's like a work of art. It's a work of art, and it's handcrafted. And he's saying, look, you... You're, a, you're God's masterpiece. You're his workmanship. He is handcrafting you for a purpose. He's a custom builder. Which means, poema is not cookie-cutter Christianity. It's not. It's not the assembly line Christianity, right? 
But God has made you and he's called you and he's created you uniquely. And he has a reason for the uniqueness of you that he wants to use. Now, I just want to just step into the tension of what this means because there's two or there's a few ways that we can understand that. The first would be like hyper-individualistic, which would be like, I'm so unique. I'm so special. <laughs> and I don't need to learn from you guys because you don't know me. You don't know my story. You don't know my life. Like, I'm just so unique, right? And that's almost like you're unteachable because you're so unique and nobody knows you. Which I think, if you read the New Testament, like, that just doesn't quite fit into what we call the church. The second way is that some of you have under, uh, you've undervalued the uniqueness of your story. You, you've kind of grown up in the assembly line. You like steps and lists. Step one, I go to this class. Step two, I join that group. Step three, I'm gonna do this. Now I'm a leader, da 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 And I've worked through the steps, and I like the steps because they help me know that I'm getting somewhere. But in all of that, maybe somehow you've discounted the uniqueness of the story that God has given to you. And maybe deep down inside, you feel like a, a square peg that's trying to fit into a round hole all the time, right? And here's what I want you to understand. A custom home builder, every house is unique. Different shape, different size, different you know, layout and design, all that kind of stuff. But every one of them is made with concrete and wood and sheetrock, stone and wires and pipes. They're all made with the same stuff, but they're made uniquely. And that's the beauty of what the Lord is doing, is that he's using the same things in the church, but he's using them uniquely in your life. He's a custom home builder. And I just think it's interesting that he calls out three different groups. He says this, children or little children. He says, young men. And he says, fathers. And he kind of rotates, he kind of goes back through the list, Twice, And he speaks to these three different groups of people. And this is the part that has puzzled me because I'm like, what in the world is he talking about? And what I realize is that these are people in different seasons. They're in different stages of their walk with God. And I think it's important for us to see that. And here's the second thing that I want you to understand is that the Lord builds us through seasons in our life. He builds us through seasons. And not everyone becomes a father or a mother in the faith. But you can. So let's just look at the seasons. He, he talks about, in verse 12, he speaks to little children. And then in verse 14, he speaks to children. And those words can mean children. Or it can also mean infants. It can mean young children, or I like this one. It can mean darlings. Oh, my little darlings. 
He speaks to us. Oh, my little darlings. In fact, this is the most common way that John talks about Christians or he addresses Christians in the entire book. In fact, he uses the word children 13 times in the entire book. In every one of you, get this, you are a child of God. We just sing about it. I am a child of God. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if God has opened your eyes and warmed your heart and you know like he's Lord and Messiah, good news, today you're his child, you're his kid, you're God's child, and you will never stop being God's child. I am a middle-aged man, if you haven't noticed. My father is, you know, he's in his 70s now, and even though I'm a middle-aged man, I'm still his kid, Right? And that's how it is with the Lord. You, you never outgrow being a child. And he says this about children. He says, your sins have been forgiven. You have come to know the Father. And he's talking about stage one, season one, where you understand the forgiveness that comes from Jesus, the love that the Father has for you. It's, it's that salvation moment, the belief in Christ, the awareness of God, the, the awakening of the heart when you know, like, no, he's real, he's true, I need him. This is that season that he's talking about. It's that season where we receive God's grace for the first time. And we realize, like, I am saved by grace through faith in Jesus, and it's a gift of God, it's not of my own works. Grace. It creates a turning of the heart, right? It's, it, it turns us away from our life of sin. It turns us towards the Father, and we understand that we're completely forgiven. It's beautiful. In building, there's a, there's a season of prep work, right? It's, it's, it's where you're, you're beginning to prepare things. You're, you're going to lay a foundation. It's the first season. But the second group he talks to are young men. And that is just youth. In fact, that's, it can be young women here today. Young men, young women. It's the second season. And here's what, uh, uh, one uh, way that can be understood as under 40. So if you're under 40, you're young. Praise God, right? If you're over 40, sorry. Okay, I feel the pain. I know, I feel the pain. Youth. He says about them, you've conquered the evil one. You're strong. God's word remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. And it's this season of strengthening. It's a season of battling. And, and there's this growth in seasons where when you go from like the, the kind of that beginning phase and you go into the second where you're, you're beginning to grow in Christ and you're, you're getting some foundational things, you're understanding the Bible, you're understanding prayer, you're, you're learning what it means to be a disciple, how to, how to conquer the evil one, right? The sin areas that you battle, whatever that looks like for you. And you're learning like, how do I deal with this? How do I conquer this? How do I overcome this? And it's, it's a season. And by the way, it's a really important season. Very important season. Young men, young women. And in building, 
We talk about framing something up. If you ever walked onto a, a, a construction site and you see a house in the framing stage, and it's so cool because it's like, I'm beginning to see it. I see all the potential. We're framing some stuff up, like that's gonna be the, the living room and that's gonna be the dining room, right? And you're beginning to see the structure of the home, but it ain't pretty yet, right? And a lot of times, that's that season for us as we begin to grow in Christ. Like, it, it, we're, we're getting some things in place here, but it's not pretty yet. Young men. The third group, fathers. Here's what it means. Advanced in years or senior. Senior. You can be mothers in the faith, too. Do you have any fathers in the faith? Do you have any mothers in the faith? There's a moment where uh, Paul is kind of lamenting in, in 1 Corinthians, and he says, you know, you have many instructors, but you don't have many fathers. You don't have many fathers. Can I tell you something? If you're in a season of becoming a father and mother, I just want you to know, we need you so much. Really. There are people that are children and infants in the faith, and they need a, a mother and a father. There are young men or young women that need a father. And here's what he says about these kinds of people. He says, you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. Now, just think about that phrase. You've come to know the one who is from the beginning. What he's talking about is perspective. Perspective. It's, it's the bigger picture. It's rooted in the ancient of days. It's the God who is over every age and season on the planet, right? Um, we, we were at a conference this past week. It was amazing. One of the things they did is they honored some fathers in the faith. These were men who had been serving for decades and decades and decades, and they're in their latter years. Uh, I think all three of them were retired or almost retired at this point in their life. And they just asked them questions. And here's what I loved about their responses. Basically, they all said, just love Jesus. It's going to be okay. Have you ever been around somebody like that? that, that it's like you're, you're riding the emotions of life, and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. My kids are doing this, and they're going to this thing. And, I don't, you know, and you're just kind of like all over the map. And, and then you get around someone who's a little bit beyond that season, and they're looking at you like, it's going to be fine, right? It's going to be okay. You're, you're going to be okay. Just love Jesus. Just follow him. It's going to be all right. It, it's so beautiful when you have someone who's come to know the one who is from the beginning. There's stability. They're less moved by panic and emotional extremes. There's a steadiness and a steadfastness. They are, here's the word that we use for them, seasoned. They're seasoned. And what John does is he gives us a vision of maturity. That's a really sexy word, isn't it? Maturity. How many books, Christian books, are called maturity? Probably not many. It wouldn't sell very well. But you know what? If you understand maturity, you should long for it. 
really. You should long for it. But do not miss your season. I was listening to a, um, a podcast this past week. It was an interview with a pastor by the name of John Mark Comer, if you've ever read any of his stuff. I really feel like the Lord's given him just a special kind of message platform in this season of, of church life. And uh, he was talking about a book called The Critical Journey. It's a book that he had read, and it was written by a guy who was a, a, a seminary professor at Fuller, and he wrote it with a lady who was a spiritual director, a pastor at a church, and she kind of oversaw spiritual direction from like, from like kiddos all the way to seniors, like the whole intergenerational thing. And they, they were just kind of reflecting together on what are the seasons or stages they see in the life of people. And stage one was this awakening. It's when you come awake for the first time, you understand who God is, who Jesus is, and there's just sort of this, this passion, this, this vibrancy, this, this desire to follow Jesus. It's a beautiful stage. The, the, the second stage is the life of a disciple. And it's where you start to learn things about God. And you're like, you know, I, I, I want to understand the Bible. I, I want to know what it means. Like, I've never been able to understand it. So you kind of begin to press into that. You, you begin to pray. You begin to, to learn some foundational things. And then the, the third stage was what they called the productive life. It's where you, you begin to serve or do something. You, you, maybe you serve in your church. You serve here. You, you serve in, in a, you know, some sort of nonprofit out there. It's a, it's a productive life. And then they have this moment that they describe. Here's what they call it. The wall. Have you ever hit a wall before in your life? Right? The wall. The wall is the crisis in which the only way, the only way through it is to go through it. It's the thing that happens when you don't know what to do anymore as a parent. It's the thing that happens when you hit a patch in your marriage and you're like, I don't know what to do right now. It's what happens when all the things that worked for you yesterday don't work anymore. And all the advice that people used to give you yesterday, all of a sudden you're like, I don't know if that's speaking to this anymore. It can be an addiction. It can be a tragedy. It can be a, a loss. It can be a crisis of faith. But it's a fork in the road. And here's what happens. Here's, this is interesting. Here's what happens to people. There's two ways they can go. And one of the ways they go is that they are enamored by something else. And here's what happens. They are awakened to a new thing. Meaning, uh, oh, Christianity was wrong all the time. This version of spirituality is what's right. And they're awakened to it. And they become discipled into it. And then they become productive in it, evangelizing their friends about this new form of discipleship or this new form of spirituality. And then guess what? They hit another wall. And it doesn't work for them there either. And then they get on to dieting. And they're like, dieting is it. It was all my body. It was my body the whole time. 
wasn't my soul. And they're awakened about dieting. And then they begin to, to um, grow as a disciple of dieting. And they read all the stuff online. And they start trying some new stuff. And then they're evangelizing you about their new diet. And they're all productive in their diet. And then they hit another wall. And it doesn't work for them. And they're like, it's meditation. That's what it is. It's meditation. And they're awakened to the new thing, and they become a disciple, and they become productive, and then they hit a wall. And it's almost like this happens over and over again, where it's like God will just kind of play chess with you, and he goes, mm-mm, nope, that doesn't work either. We're going to try something else? Okay, checkmate. No, that's not going to work for you either. And he brings us to a wall, and, and here's what's so important about the wall is that we have to discover Jesus as Savior again. That he's the strengthener. And what he's doing, he's seasoning you. He's seasoning you. The third thing that I would just want to point out is that the Lord is a resourceful builder. What I mean is, he will reuse and recycle your pain to build you, to season you into maturity. And the things that you thought would break you would, will build you. We planted our church, started on January 27th of 2019. We had 105 people in this room. It was awesome which means literally exactly five years ago, I was sitting on my couch on Monday morning thinking, we made it. And I was really tired, right? Really tired. We got a year in, a full year. And then we started hearing about this thing called coronavirus. I was like, what is that? I went to Orlando, Florida on March 1st for a conference. And I went to the food court of the airport and everyone had a mask on. I was like, what is going on here? And I just sat down at a table with all these people. And whenever I sat down, they all like scurried away from me like really fast. I'm like, what is it? What? This, this is serious. And you know about the spring break that never ended, right? That was us. From March to like October, our brand new church just shut down. I was like, what are we going to do? We just started this thing. And we're going to do online services. Like, what is that? And we started just walking in the process um, on July of, uh, I guess it was July of 2021. I had, a, I had escaped coronavirus. I had, glory to God. But finally, July of 2021, we went on vacation. We got to the house there on Sunday evening. My youngest son spiked a fever. Mm, bummer. He's little, but he'll probably be just fine. Give us some Tylenol, call the doctor. Oh, yeah, it's probably just a little virus. Okay, no, no biggie. On Tuesday night, my middle son spikes a fever. Oh, bummer. Okay, let's call the doctor. Okay, no problem. Thursday night, I spike a fever. I'm like, oh, gosh, what's going on here? I go to the clinic in this little town that we're at. And the, they're like, you have coronavirus. And I'm like, what? Dang it, finally got me. <laughs> and it got me. And you, some of you guys were here at that season in our, in our church. 
where I just went down and down and down, and my oxygen level numbers started going down and down and down. I went to the hospital the first time. They looked at me, and they were like, mm, no, buck up, soldier. You're fine. Sent me home. The next day, my numbers are going down and down and down. I, go, I just finally like crawl into the ER again. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, it's serious. And they let me in. And I spent three nights in the hospital. And I had that feeling of like, I might not make it. I don't know if any of y'all had bad COVID. And you had that feeling of like, literally, I might not make it. I remember my wife driving me to the, to the hospital. And I said, hey, I just want you to know that I love you. I just want the kids to know that I love them because just in case I don't come out of here, like, please remember how much I love you, right? I made it. I'm still here. Praise God. I, uh, yeah, amen. I'm pulling my oxygen tank around my house from room to room with my little tubes in my nose, just barely making it, you know, from chair to chair, basically. Chair to chair to bed. That was my thing. And, uh, and my phone blows up. And literally, as I'm barely alive, we had five major issues at our church. Five, I'm talking major issues that could have sunk this church like that. Sexual sin, um, a lot of sexual sin, a lot of brokenness. And I had a feeling of like, Maybe the church dies right now. Like, really, this could be it. And somehow, by God's grace, here we are. Five years. I think about the people that have been touched here, lives that have been changed in the midst of all the mess that has happened. And I'm, I'm just thinking, gosh, the very things that I really thought this might kill me are the very things that God has used to build me. And here's what I want to say to you. If you've hit the wall in your life, what you think is going to kill you is actually the wall that God is building in your life that you're going to stand on top of one day. And you're going to know that God is a resourceful builder. Um, I think about, I think about our team and we, we have uh, monthly leadership ga gatherings with our house church leaders. And I remember um, moments where we had team members who were dealing with serious things, serious stuff. Um, we've lost babies in our church. Nothing to stop you. Check if the device is on your home Wi-Fi network. Thank you, Siri. <laughs> Thank you, Siri, for that information. Um, and just seeing how the very things that were so hard, to be honest with you, were the very moments that God shifted our church. You've, you're here today, and if you're new with us, like, I'm so glad you're here. And there's something that God has built in us, but it's been built with hardship, with struggle. And he seasoned this body. Guess why? 
because he wants to build with us. Friends, he is a resourceful builder. And here's the interesting thing. In this book, the, um, the uh, what's the name of this book that I was telling you about? It's a really wonderful book. And uh, it's called The Critical Journey. That's what it was called. Thank you. Um, and what they found is that the people that made it through the wall, here's what they needed. Two things. Authenticity and deep relationships. Authenticity and deep relationships. See, the thing that the Lord is building, that this building process, it's going to require authenticity from us. It's a blend of humility and honesty and vulnerability. Because what they found is that people that hit the wall, all of a sudden, they have to deal with what they call the shadow side of their personality. Meaning that in the first three stages, you could, you could follow Jesus and there could be some messed up motivations on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? But then the wall comes and it's almost like the Lord's saying, now we're going to deal with that other part of you. You have to go deeper. And in order to go deeper, we have to be super honest with one another. And one of the things that has um, driven me as a pastor is that I spent too much time in churches where um, it was time for Bible study and everyone's like, this. What? Yeah, that's, you know, my thought about that passage is that he's talking to uh, the Romans. And uh, yeah, that's good. And you? Yeah, I like that passage too. It's really cool. Um, I think I, I've heard that one before. Okay, cool. And the problem is that nobody's talking about what's really going on in their life. We're hiding behind Bible studies. I, I remember sitting in a, in a Sunday school class and a girl is sharing a, t uh, a prayer request and she starts bawling. And I'm looking at the room and everyone like tensed up and stared at the front like really hard. And I'm like, what is this? We need authenticity. We need to be people who can be honest and vulnerable about what's going on in our lives. And here's what John says in the rest of the book. He says, confess our sins to one another because he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It requires honesty. Have you ever confessed your sins to somebody before? That's super honest. It's authentic. And here's what I'm most proud of as a church at five years old. I, I'm most proud of this, that we are building a culture of authenticity. We're, this is a real church. In fact, if, if you want to find a church that's not real where you can, you can hide like this, this is probably not your church. It's not. Because we believe that there are things happening in your life, and it's the very things that you want to hide are the very things that Jesus wants to heal. But it's going to require authenticity. We're not here to, to put a, a veneer of Jesus over our lives. We want our hearts to burn for him with authentic love for him. Jesus can make us whole. He can really make us whole, but not until we can be real about how broken we are. We need 
authenticity, the second, deep relationships. This is where we begin to love like family. And this is so important. Um, in fact, it might be even better than your family, because your family might be a little crazy or a little jacked up. And the church might be God's better word for you about what, it is, what does it mean to be in a family. It's deep relationships. And John says things like this, that we're to love one another, like love one another, right? And he says, look, it's not that we loved God, but he loved us. He loved us. And, and as Jason said uh, in the song, that he casts out fear with his love, which has to do with punishment. He's talking about people who just, they're, they're loving one another. They're, they're loved by God. They're brought together in this deep relationship. And we don't want the veneer of nice people. Oh, that church, they're really nice. We want to sincerely, deeply love one another from the heart. People who are authentic and pursuing deep love together. When we cried together in our leadership gatherings, when we worshiped together, when we, when we prayed our guts out together, it's because some of us had hit the wall, but we had a depth of relationship where we were like, this is the place to hit the wall. We're with you. We're diving in with you. We're, we're gathering around you. We're in this with you because we love you so much. It's the body. It's the church. And you need people who are going to care for you like that when you hit the wall. And here's the thing. Tomorrow is built on today. And so the wall that might be coming for you tomorrow is built on getting over the wall that might be coming for you to tomorrow is built on the depth of relationship that you're building today or the depth of authenticity that you are building today. Friends, God's growing our family. He's going to grow our family even more. But in order to go wider, we have to go deeper. We have to be people of authenticity and deep relationships. So I just want to end with this. What's your season? Where are you? Are you in that first season? It's like, man, I'm just coming awake to Jesus. Like, this is amazing. I, I'm realizing that I'm loved by the Father and my sins are forgiven. I just want to say praise God for that. Amen. We never graduate from that. Or maybe you're in that season of like, man, I'm, I'm in that young person phase. I feel like I'm just battling. I'm, I'm building some foundational things. I want to say praise God for that. Please don't, don't miss that season. But maybe some of you, you're like, no, I feel like God has been seasoning me. And he's actually, he wants to make me a spiritual father or mother. Yes, please. We need those people. If you skip what is right and necessary today, you will sabotage tomorrow. And the question is simply this, what's your next step? What's your next step? I want to call us as a church body to authenticity in deep relationships because our Lord, his love for you was so authentic, so real, and so deep that he went to a cross for you. He loves you so much. 
He, wore, he rose to restore you. He ascended that his spirit would fill you and so that you could grab arms with him and build with Jesus. So this morning, can we just be honest together? Can we be real about our lives? And can we pursue deep relationships? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To support our work, you can like, share, subscribe, or you can donate at rin-church.org.